You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? You're listening to the Victory Bells podcast. Yeah, it's made with bits of real banter. So you know it's good. With the latest in everything Red Raider sports. I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Here's Will McKay. You know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. And Matt Clare. Hey, guys. Oh, big golf, huh? All right. Well, see you later. What is up, party people? Welcome into this edition of the Victory Bells podcast on what's going to be Easter weekend coming up. And uh, I know a lot of you guys probably have you know plans for the weekend, get to hang out with the family and uh, you know just get some time like that. So a uh, nice long weekend. And if you're in Lubbock, you know, Tech Baseball playing this weekend. So that'll be fun if you guys could get out there. They're playing Oklahoma in their second uh, second conference series of the season. That's that's uh on uh, today, Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, since I moved it up because of Easter on Sunday. So, uh, so yeah, you know, excited about that. And uh, as always, you know, joined by my main man, Matt Clare. What is up, my man? Hey, what's going on, Will? Doing good. How about yourself? Man, I am doing uh, very solid, I would say. I could do without the blowing, raging wind of late March in Lubbock, which I know you're also very <laughs> familiar with. Yeah, it's been a while, but that uh, the wind on Saturday certainly reminded me of it a little bit, that wind chill. Dude, and uh, yeah, you know, just speaking of and just diving right into it, and uh, you know, this week we're going to not do things necessarily like we've been doing uh, on the segments, just because there hadn't been a ton of tech news on stuff this week, uh, just not a whole lot going on except for Matt and what Matt's referencing is, uh, he and I were at Rivals Camp. Uh, in Dallas at Cedar Hill over the weekend, and it was uh, what you would call uh, freezing. I would say would be the correct uh, a term yeah. on that. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say that's about? about I think it was thir- thirty-one with the wind. Yeah, yeah. Well, dude, whenever we got there, I think it was seven. I mean, you got there about seven thirty, seven forty, and I think I showed up about seven forty-five, and. My stupid self decided to show up. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to tell on you if you didn't tell on yourself. My my stupid self decided to show up in shorts and a long sleeve t-shirt. And I was like, you know what? Because I stepped out of, uh, you know, I stepped stepped outside and I was like, oh, it's not that bad. Well, it's not that bad until you get out, you know, on an open field with the wind blowing 20 miles an hour whenever it's, you know, 42 degrees. And then you realize it's not going to be much fun. So... Yep. I lucked out and had a jacket in my car and some pants, so that came in handy. <laughs> but dude, I, I went have... to the pants store and got some pants. <laughs> but but no, I'm and it, I really did just luck out because I didn't look at the weather forecast or anything. I just figured it's. I mean, it's like March in Dallas. I mean, it's not like it's going to be right cold. But for some reason, man, it's whatever the hell it is. Like the last three years at this rivals camp, whether it have been. This one this year, I don't think it was as bad last year. I mean, it was still pretty chilly. Or the year before, whenever it, it rained, whenever they did it in, in Houston, right? Two years, three, uh, years, three years ago? Yeah, something like that. It, but it rained and it was cold, and I just don't know what it is about Rivals Camp. But anyway, regardless, uh, we I think we had a good time, Matt, as always. I know you and I, that's kind of you and I's wheelhouse, just kind of getting to see guys uh, compete and kind of measure up and all that kind of thing. So. I can just kind of dive right into it, man. What were, I guess, what were kind of the, the big things that stuck out to you, uh, some guys that stuck out to you, just kind of the overall feel you kind of had from, from Rivals Camp in Dallas this year? Uh, I would say overall feel that I got was, um, you know, it, I thought it was somewhat of a smaller group, and maybe I'm wrong about no, that. No, you're right, it was. Yeah, but they had um, Under Armour's doing this new thing this year called Ill Speed, and I would just say it's a, a combine-like challenge. Kind um, of a deal, kind of. Yeah, you know, kind of a pushing towards that direction, and I thought they were they would hold the thing, you know, before or after the right, camp. Right. They just actually did it in the middle of the camp. I thought that was, you know, not the best idea. It was kind of jarring, in my it, opinion. Yeah, I mean, you kind of do this whole thing, and then you have to get the well, kids to stretch out. Up. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, and if you, I mean, and again, I know it's not about guys like you and me, but if it's a rivals type of deal, like we're there to really see these kids compete and evaluate them. And if we're going to stop in the middle and then we're going to go to wide receiver and, and DB one-on-ones, but then have offensive defense, uh, excuse me, offensive line and defensive line one-on-ones continue on another field. You and I can't be in both spots. Right. I mean, I don't know. That was frustrating, but for the most part, you and I, since we, it wasn't our first time around, we did just kind of go from position group to position group, and I think it was pretty beneficial. I mean, the for those listening, the way we had it set up is I had the camera around my neck, and Will had the list, and we would just go to all the DBs, and we would say, okay, you know, hey, there's uh, number whatever, 107, that's so-and-so. Okay, picture, picture, picture. All right, let's watch this group. You know, okay, who's this guy? You know, we'd go and, and we'd do it that way. So, uh, you know, nothing that we've provided that's that's really in-depth because really a lot of the names you're already familiar with, uh, some of the guys we might talk about today are going to be new. And I know everybody's kind of itching to find some new players to, to look for on the defensive line. So maybe we can talk about some names uh, like a kid that, that we – had brought up last uh, week, like a Joe Thomas, or I'm sorry, like a Joe Wallace right, that, right. you know, at the time, you know, didn't have an offer or interest, but ended up being a tech commit. So you never know, right? No, yeah, man, you never know. And, and that's kind of the funny thing always about Rivals Camp is everybody, you know, every kid that, that goes to Rivals Camp is going to be a kid that plays, I would say, and this is just kind of my ballpark, I would say 95% of those guys are going to play at a five, Power 5 school when you, Oh, yeah, no, I would agree. And the fact that, you know, the kids get younger and younger every year. We had a, uh, I'm not kidding, we had an eighth grader, okay, we had an eighth grader that was six foot five, 315 pounds. And he looked, he was, okay, so what they do is they split them into groups and everyone, they, it's, it's like clockwork around the field when they do their stretches. And so I'm following different groups and I say, okay, this is O lineman. And I get there with my camera, and I'm on the edge of the drill, and I see Will Farrar, and that's a kid I've known over the past two years at camps and stuff. I say, hey, what's up, Will? And I look behind him. I'm like, who's this kid? I've never seen him. <laughs> Put my camera down. I look, and I see there's a nine next to him. And I said, I said, hey, bud, are you you're a freshman? Well, sir, I'm going to be a freshman next year. Said, and then Will Farrar turned around and said, does that mean you're in eighth grade? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you know, again, uh, in the one-on-ones, I mean, he, he, the technique obviously, you know, needs a lot of work, but just crazy. I mean, it, it just, yeah, old. it just brings out these kids. And, and for me, I look down and the kid it has at least like, I don't know, size 16 shoes or something, big old clown shoes on. I mean, but it's just crazy how big these kids are these days. But, you know, for me is the talent that, that maybe we hadn't already seen some of these kids that are going to be that next group in, in 2018, which is crazy to say out loud 2018. Uh, but <laughs> it'll be here before we know it. Right. Yeah, no doubt. And there were a, the thing that really stuck out to me about like you, you're talking about with the 2018 group, there were a lot of really good receivers that, that were 2018 guys, some, some younger, like some younger guys, like uh, either a guy like Miles Battle who plays at Side Creek, who was a big, big outside receiver. Um, there's a kid from Jones, Oklahoma. I'll have to find him on our list. Uh, Sean Shaw, who's another 2018 uh, receiver. There were a bunch of really good young receivers uh, at the. Well, the the young man that won the MVP is a 2018 receiver, six five, two hundred something pounds right. out of Houston. And I, hell, I live in Houston and I've never met him before. And that was somebody where you and I were just, you know, Brennan lingering. Eagles. Yeah, Brennan Eagles. Yeah, we were just lingering outside of the uh, the line before things got started. And I said, hey, who are you? <laughs> I mean, this kid's huge, right? And he says, oh, well, I I'm a, just finished my sophomore year. And you're like, what the hell? You know? I personally, I keep saying it, and maybe it's just me forgetting, but I did not go to high school with kids that were nope, that big. I mean, not. I understand uh, what's going on here. But, nope. uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point to be made. And then, um, you know, other than that, I mean, I, I think we saw the guys that we knew, but that's the beauty of Rivals Camp, and that's why I think it's really unfortunate that, you know, I think my only beef is I wish they would reconsider the timing of the Dallas camp, because with the whole rivals camp series schedule, you know, they're still going to be doing camps over the next month. And so if they could swap the dates, uh, what would they would do, yeah. I think later would be would, better. 
Well, they would they would guarantee good weather, and they would also guarantee that you're not going to lose the track kids. I mean, we lost so many kids to track, and um, you know it happens. But if you're able to, uh, you know, and and I don't think it helps either having the, the opening one weekend and then rivals right after. Because I mean, if you think well, yeah, about that, if you're if a parent, you're, yeah, it's I mean, tough. also if a kid, I mean, if if certain kids, you know, just really stood out at the opening and you know, you know, made the opening, I mean, what, what do they have to risk going the next weekend to rivals camp, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess we could debate that till I the mean, it's, sun it's goes debate, down, you know. but still, but I mean, I guess the timing of it is important to me mostly because just avoid track, avoid all that other stuff, mm-hmm. avoid any other conflicts because right now you've got junior days. I mean, you've got, uh, and there were kids you know, that weren't there cause they were visiting. visiting, visiting yeah. There's places. a lot of kids. There's at least like four kids that are at Notre Dame. Uh, that, that we didn't get to talk to, but and that's fine. But that was my only other note is that you know maybe we'll have it later next time. But yeah, I think I think we were going to get into some of the tech specific, um, you know, targets right, or right. commits and stuff that that we saw over the weekend. So I'll let you kick that off, and well, you know, we'll we'll dive further into this thing. Amid, right before we get into that, I would just ask you what do you, what do you think the the strongest position groups were? Because for me, I would probably say that offensive line and receiver were the two strongest groups I saw. You know, I I was going to, you know, you and I had talked about that, but quite honestly, I'm going to go with defensive back because, uh, you know, I I just, I thought coming in that, that just hands in maybe the 30 degree weather with windshield help that. But, uh, (laughs) but uh, I mean, when you go back, we'll go over some of these guys. Um, Very, very impressive group that I thought maybe didn't get as much of attention going into it. uh, We had a conversation last time, but, but you're right. I mean, there's so many receivers there, but there are also some guys that, that quite honestly, I know it's just a camp and it's a one day thing, but if you're a, uh, let's say you're an SEC commit going up against an OU commit, et cetera, et cetera. And you're losing those one-on-ones. I mean, that has to mean something, you know, whether it's that one day or, or not, whether right. it's a, a measuring stick for the next time, or uh, you know what they do on the field with pads and all that. Certainly factors in. I'm 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 not uh, saying it means everything, but it does mean something. No, it absolutely does. I mean, it means something. And I think you look at some of these kids too that um, that I think that you and I both just looked at and, and thought were physical freaks. I think a guy like Omar Manning, who's an outside receiver who, if you guys don't know who we're talking about, and he was, you know, Tech was definitely in on him at one point, I think. Uh, not now, but he's a kid that looks like a like a, a college defensive end already and is an outside yeah. receiver. And I thought, you know, he had an okay day, but for the guy, you know, with his pedigree, he didn't have a great day. And I think, like you said, there were some of these defensive backs that were a reason for that. And I think... Uh, I think you immediately look at the two guys committed to OU, like Robert Barnes and, and Trey Brown, and those guys both had great days, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I thought they looked great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we just have to look at it. Um, but like I said before, I mean, I think uh, overall that was just a group I thought going into it that maybe we didn't talk a lot about. Right, but right. Uh, but we'll get into those guys that, that kind of stood out to us as well. Right, and so – like you said, man, just wanted to get into some guys that, uh, you know, some guys with with some tech interest in, or some some interest from tech, some guys that are uh, that tech's in on. And I guess the first guy that we'll kind of talk about is uh, is Brendan Hymas, who's an offensive lineman at Lake Travis that you know got an offer here a couple weeks ago, and, and you know he was out there. So uh, I thought you know he I thought he had a solid day, uh, kind of was up and down, you know. But I think there also were some really talented defensive linemen and. That's just kind of how this these days kind of go. I mean, unless you're going to be, I think, a five star, or you know, rivals 100 offensive lineman, it's just going to be something where, you know, you're going to win some and lose some just because of, of the talent level that's there. So I thought he had a solid day, and and I think he's a younger guy uh, too, if I remember right. Even for you know being a 2017 guy, he kind of reminds me and you both. I think you said Matt of of Travis Bruffy and kind of similarly of him. So what were your kind of thoughts on Brendan and how he kind of looked? Yeah, I mean, before I jump into that, I think it just reminds me of a point. Like, if you're listening to us and you don't know what we mean when we refer to some of these kids or, you know, hey, like I referred to earlier and and we talked about before, like Will Farrar has been doing these camps for two years or Jack's been doing these camps for two years. Well, that means they understand, like, hey, when it's time for one-on-ones, you know, jump in there, get your reps, do this, do that. Time to show up, yeah. Yeah, kids that aren't used to that they almost become like 
Will and I, they've become spectators and, oh yeah, yeah, I need to jump in on more reps. I mean, so especially when you talk about, you know, a kid like Brennan, I really don't think, I didn't get the impression he was used to that environment because it took the coaches stopping the entire drill for a while to say, this kid has been up here six times. Why are you letting him take your reps? Right. And, you know, I think that we talked about that. If anyone really remembers, then kudos to you. But we talked about that with Tyler Castaneda, who we'll talk Last about here in a minute. Yep. Yeah, last year, I mean, you know, Hal to, had to go over there and say, man, you just got to jump in there, dude. You can't go without any reps. So I think Brendan suffered from that a little bit. But like you said, I think, you know, as long as he continues to build upper body strength uh, and work on technique, I think he's just still growing. So the bend wasn't quite there. And, and, you know, again, there's a fine line between bull rush and technique when it comes to some of the defensive linemen. So maybe he did get bull rushed a few times. And, and again, it's not full padded football. Uh, but, you know, again, I thought there were a couple of reps where, you know, he wished he could have had those back. Uh, but on the whole, I mean, I thought frame wise uh, and, and makeup wise, you know, I could definitely see what Coach Hayes sees in him. Uh, season him. Uh, he likes these long guys, but at 260, uh, he's gonna he's gonna have to grow, uh, and you know he's gonna look like a different player if we're talking about him again here in December or January. Well, right, and I think you you, you look, look back to last year, man. Whenever guys like let's say Gio Pancotti is a guy, I think that's a prime example of this at, at Rivals Camp last year. Who he's a guy that you all you really like Gio's size. He's a big kid, and I think there were times in the last year at Rivals Camp where he kind of got got by guys just simply because, like you said, of a technique thing or, or something that just was off just a little bit. But whenever Geo kind of got, you know, whenever he would do things, you know, right, technique-wise, you know, he would stonewall some guys. And I think that's a really similar thing that you see with a lot of these guys at Rivals Camp, especially the guys, um, you know, that are a little bit younger. Yeah. But, I mean, again, like I said, I could see – I could definitely see why Coach offered. I can see – you know why some of these schools oh, offered? The yeah, yeah, and and I think uh, the latest note from earlier today was uh, was from our new Texas analyst uh, Nick Kruger. Uh, he got to meet over the weekend, uh, but it's Nebraska, Cal, and Texas Tech. And one of his comments in the article was that he'd like to stay in Texas. But as we know, a lot of coaches hitting the road this spring. He feels like a lot of schools are close to offering him. Uh, in addition to those three schools that he has on top. So uh, still a very sl- fluid situation. But I think if you remember from Drew's report as well, um, him uh, and his father have ties to Texas Tech, and uh, they're pretty close with Coach Hayes. So, uh, again, we, we know Coach Hayes is after a tackle prospect, and it just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll have to see from here who he pursues the hardest. No doubt, no doubt. And I will let you pick the next guy that we talk about, and then I'll pick them one after that. Well, we already kind of we already started talking about Tyler, so let's just jump okay, into that, that real quick. Um, I thought Tyler showed up uh, a lot, uh, a lot, a lot more put together than last year. A lot bigger, uh, I thought I he looked a, a lot more comfortable in his own shoes, uh, especially with that experience. And you know, from us talking to him, he was just excited, very excited to to get going and. Yeah, you could tell that that he was ready to to go. I mean, he's uh, he's right there on the inside, and you know, it took a couple of reps to get warmed up. But I think you guys have seen since in those one on one videos, there's a couple times where he took Marvin Wilson and got and got him off his feet a little yep. bit. And I know it's only a couple of reps, but there's not a lot of kids out there that were doing that. Um, so I, that caught the national team's attention. They they listed him as one of the offensive top performers. And, you know, again, there's there's just not a lot to say about a kid like Tyler. We joked with him. We said, hey, you know, the fans would love to hear from you, buddy. We committed forever, and it doesn't seem like we can get you on the, on the telephone. And so um, I've got a good dialogue going with his dad. Uh, he's since been invited to the opening regional in Houston. Um, that's his birthday weekend. So he's going to be coming to Houston for that. Um, and, and he just, he's kind of grown to, to love the competitiveness of the camps and, and some of the technique he's learning. Uh, but other than that, things are supposedly all good with him and Hayes. And, you know, this is just a kid that's just low key. I mean, he's been committed right. forever. You never hear anything from him. Uh, so just nice to, to see him and, and to see that he's been working on his game. No doubt, no doubt, absolutely, and I agree. I just think that he's like you said, a quiet kid. But I was, I was very impressed with the growth of him in a year. And you expect that out of you know kids that that went whenever they were, uh, you know, after their sophomore year. You expect to see a, a more out of them. But but like you said, man, I think the biggest thing to me was when you see a guy like Marvin Wilson. And I'm just telling y'all, if y'all have never seen him play or line up or do anything. 
I think the word that describes Marvin the best is just relentless. He just gets after you no matter what. And I think that intimidates some of these, even these guys, you know, that have multiple offers at some of these camps like this. And uh, I think you feel really good about how Tyler did against him because I saw more than one guy because they didn't let Marvin get near as many reps this year as he has in the past. Um, just because he just will mow guys over and, and like offensive linemen, he'll just put them on their rear. And he didn't, he didn't do that to, to Tyler. You know, Tyler, he got the best of Tyler one time, but Tyler also got the best of him once. So I think you feel good about how he, uh, how he did there, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing about, the thing about it is, we, you know, we talk about, I mean, you and I are experienced. We watch a lot of tape. We go to these camps, we see kids in person, but look, I will be the first to say it does not take experience or professional know-how. If you want to come, if you're in Houston and you want to come watch uh, a Marvin Wilson game or whatever, let me know because it, you don't need to be a pro to go and watch this kid and see, okay, he is uh, sitting here at, uh, what is it? Let me see, 320 pounds, Six, five, right? 320, whatever. 6'5", 320, and I mean – you'd be like, how is he this fast? I mean, it's insane. And I just think that's what makes him stand out. And you don't see defensive linemen like that. You don't see defensive linemen who, you know, are, are – it's almost like – so he plays AAU basketball, so it's almost like he's uh, playing point guard and kind of crossing over uh, a defensive uh, or an offensive lineman, except he can – he's strong enough to just throw you to the side as well. Yeah, so if he gets you off, off of your balance, just boom, and you're yeah. done. And that's and that's the thing about him is, whenever he says he's a guy that's going to play defensive tackle at the next level, but whenever you're a guy that can physically just overpower guys, but at the same time, you have the speed to get around them. There's just a lot of guys, especially at the high school level. There's nothing they can do against you because you're going to be able to one up them every time. So, uh, whenever you see you know guys you know do something against kids like that, it gets our attention. So, uh, was very happy with the way. Uh, it, with the way that Casanay looked. Um, you know, two other guys that I think we wanted to mention, and, and we'll talk about a couple other guys, but two guys we wanted to mention that, uh, you know, I don't think any Tech fans really knew much about or have heard much about are two guys from Southmore, Oklahoma, which is where uh, Noah Jones plays, who, who obviously just signed with Tech as, as a defensive lineman. And uh, those two guys would be Quindon Lewis, who's a kind of an athlete type that's both wide receiver and a corner. Uh, and then Javarius Owens, who's a you know outside linebacker slash you know safety uh, type, and uh, you know Matt, I don't, I've never talked to either one of those guys. I don't think you have either, Matt. And uh, I just kind of got into a conversation with both of them because our boy uh, our boy Josh McQuiston, who you know covers uh, Oklahoma for us here at Rivals and, and does a lot of high school stuff around there. Uh, I mean, I was just asking him about some of these Oklahoma guys because you know Coach Spav obviously is up there a lot looking at kids. So I just kind of asked him about, you know, his opinion on, on a couple of these kids from Oklahoma and especially at Southmore, because it's a school that, you know, the tech coaches are very familiar with and are around a lot. So, uh, heard good things. And then we, we talked to both those guys and both guys have been hearing from, from tech. Both guys have been hearing from both, uh, both coach Spav and head coach Kingsbury's the, the two guys they've been talking to. So, you know, I, I didn't get to watch Quinden as much. He played receiver uh, at the camp, but I did get to watch uh, Javarius play a little bit, and he actually played safety. And he's a kid that sticks out physically. He's a big kid. Uh, mm-hmm. made some, I made, agree. Uh, made some nice plays, uh, physical, athletic, and uh, he's a kid that stuck out to me. And both both of them are good-looking kids, Matt. Yeah, I got to see, I think when uh, when they switched the fields, I got to see Quinden a little bit switch to, to corner because right. uh, some of those guys were doing that. Some of those uh, Oklahoma guys who are all uh, buddied up together were doing that. And, and that's what Quinton had said is the coaches see him as a, a bigger cornerback. But I would say, yes, both kids certainly looked the part, and that's the connection. I mean, the coaches have been up there working with Co- uh, Noah Jones from last year. And they had even said that when Kingsbury had come on campus, he had gotten to watch the team work out. Um, and then they had since connected on the telephone um, about, you know, uh, just, hey, we're going to keep in touch with you. We're going to recruit you. Um, and it does sound like, you know, they didn't have a specific date, but they said, you know, we're going to wait till uh, we're going to wait till. Noah gets on campus and go visit him and, and see what it's all about. So, I mean, at least good to, to, to talk to one of these defenders that's uh, that's hearing from Tech. But we expected that, and I think in year two we'll start to see some of the recruiting uh, effort start to come to fruition when it comes right. to the state of Oklahoma. 
Right, and I think something you know with this tech staff is that they seem to like to go back to the well at schools where they're you know familiar with you know the coaching staffs and the programs and uh, you know have really good connections. And I think that's something you're going to see with Southmore here moving forward because I think people that don't know about that program, it's kind of it's kind of one of the one or two or three schools in Oklahoma that's kind of starting to become I, I don't know necessarily a, you know a powerhouse you know a powerhouse, but they have a lot of talent you know. No, I agree. But, um, but yeah, those are two more kids that that that's, uh, that we thought were good, good to look at. And uh, again, Javarius Owens, Quindon Lewis, two kids to keep an eye on here moving into the summer. I would say, if whenever uh, things spring come, summer, yeah, spring sure. summer, whenever the coaches go start taking more visits, and would not surprise me to see either of those kids get a visit here in uh, late April, early May, somewhere around then. But um, I guess just in general, a couple more kids. I would say. Uh, you look at a kid like Cameron Buckley, who is out there, who's a receiver from from Cedar Hill, one of that Cedar Hill trio. I think he was the only one of those guys that was actually out there at the camp. I don't, I know, I know that Jalen Jackson wasn't out there because he was at Jesuit Relays. Uh, I don't think Charleston Rambo was out there either. I think he may be in the same place, but um, Rambo was at uh, Notre Dame. Oh yeah, he was at Notre Avery Dame with, with Avery Davis and all those guys. My bad, but. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was a group of kids, like we said, that weren't there, but, but I thought Cameron, you know, stuck out. He was taking as many reps as they'd give him on the outside. And I know, uh, I know his high school coaching staff really, really loves, you know, what he does. And I, I was really impressed with Cameron and what he did. Yeah. There's, there's just a lot to like about the receiver position. I don't, you know, to me, I don't think other than technique and route running, I don't know if Cameron Buckley stands out as much as I thought he would. Right. Uh, maybe in the one-on-ones, I have to go back and, and look. But I mean, I would say he won as many as he lost, so so not a bad day. But for me, I mean, I look at kids, and it might be too late. Um, but I look at kids uh, like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably butcher this, but Lavisca Chenault right. uh, from Desoto. I mean, stud. you talk about looks you, like you talk, a stud. Yeah, yeah. You talk about going back to programs. I mean, that's why you go back to programs because there's kids like that sitting on the bench right now, um, and there's probably another kid sitting behind him who's just waiting on their turn. And you know, I guess I'd never seen him in person, but I've seen him get new offer. Uh, excuse me, new offer after new offer, and it's because he's a grown man. I mean, he's. Uh, uh, He's ready to go. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind. I don't think it hurt anything for Tech to get in there and offer. Uh, I know Coach Jones is is close to those guys at DeSoto, and, and who knows. Uh, but I, I thought he absolutely looked the part. Now, another kid I really like, and, and again, I just go back to last year. You guys got to remember, uh, you know, let's say TCU had this run of commits. Well, half of them didn't end up with TCU. Yep. Uh, same thing with some of these other schools early on. Kid, I really like at wide receivers, RJ Sneed uh, from down here in Houston. Uh, I thought that was one of my um, top picks at receiver. He's committed to TCU. I feel like he made that commitment pretty early. I got to talk to him uh, down here in Houston, and some other SEC programs have come on. And you never know, right, with a good season and the right recruitment, you know, you can get back in touch with some of these other kids. So for me, that's the most important thing about just watching this spring. It's just so important. Now that you have a full staff, you can really start to see the direction that they'll go in on some of these guys. But uh, without going down that rabbit hole, I'll say the same thing about two other players. I mean, I could list a lot, uh, but just to wrap it up on the tech side of kids, I'd like to see them. Uh, get back with after the spring break and after the, or excuse me, after the spring evaluation period. Uh, we've talked about him before, but Mohamed Sonogo from Plano West is an inside linebacker. He grew a lot. He's grown some, and I was really yeah, impressed with him. And, well, he looked, uh, and you'd seen him in person, but right. for what I had seen, he just looks like he kind of grew into his body a little bit, um, and he looks like he's going to just keep getting bigger, which is key. Um, but I thought he looked the part and another kid, I mean, he just committed to Mizzou, but like we talked about commitments this early for some of these kids at, at a DeSoto or a, a bigger school like that might not be rock solid. Um, I thought here in white, if we're talking about offensive tackle prospects, and that, I think, I think he's a guy that we, that coach Hayes is interested in at the very least. So I'll just say, uh, that. I'll say he reminds me, he, I mean, nobody has the, the, the arms of, uh, of Terrence Steele, the, the fabled, Victory Bell's <laughs> podcast, Long Arms of uh, of of Terrence Steele, but 
I mean, Heron's not too far away. I mean, this kid's just long. He's built like a, a basketball center, uh, just with a, a little bit of more beef. But um, I thought he moved well. I thought, you know, just another kid similar to uh, Jaime's that just needs to get in the weight room in college. And, you know, he'll be ready to go, just like we're, we're talking about some of these kids like Akimnanu and, and Steele that, are, that have hit the weight room, and now they're getting ready to go. Yep, absolutely. And, and one more kid I will mention before we move on uh, – a kid that was a walk-up is a receiver who'd be Isaiah Upshaw from Duncanville, who he made some guys look stupid, and he is a receiver. And I know a lot of guys thought he stood out and had a really good day. Um, so I'll be interested to see where things go from here. And not necessarily saying that, uh, you know, I don't know if Tech's going to get in touch with him. I'm sure, you know, that with Coach Jones that Tech is certainly aware of him. But he had a really, really good day, uh, as good as you'll have for a kid that was a walk-up. Did you, did you see him at all, Matt? I did, and 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 so I'm just going to add two things. Um, we saw a lot of that, a lot of walk-ups, a lot of kids that we didn't know, but they also went to school at Skyline, or they went to school at Duncanville, or they went to school at DeSoto. I mean, the list goes on and on. So these are kids who, it's a blip on the radar now, but those are the underclassmen who next year they're going to be that kid. I'm talking yeah. about like a LaVisca who is like, you know, offers from Alabama, LSU, A&M, you name it, you know, et cetera. Um and and they're going to be those kids and so i thought that was interesting and, and they're in there you know doing their thing there's a couple of other kids like that we'll have to go back to our notes and maybe put something together for the underclassmen but just one other kid i, I would i would hate to not mention is cartrell thomas i thought oh, he yeah, did his, yeah 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 um well two i'm gonna cheat two kids you go uh ahead, yeah. Car, cartrell thomas thought he did his thing um like i told you guys very fluid very fast and and um you know something he brought up that that caught my attention is uh he said that coaches like how long his arms are and how big his hands are and i looked and i was like okay well you know that kind of makes sense i mean you know and 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 just in the routes uh we talk about the camp setting versus football and all that but i mean the production's there and for me at the camps when i watch kids you know i think of years past i think of a james prochet or i think of a devin duvernay right. some of these smaller more compact guys but guys that are already very technically sound when it comes to uh running smooth routes and getting separation um, against some of these better corners and i thought he made it look easy so i think he's 100 percent an absolute fit for what the tech coaches do on offense and then i know there's been a lot of conversation around the running back position i don't know what the odds are or what the chances are um i'd have to get to know him a little bit more but i think keegan williams checked every and box that's, that, was, that was that was another guy i was going to mention yeah yeah so i think 100 percent uh, another kid that that could fit this offense like a glove yeah absolutely and we'll kind of leave it at that i know some people have some some more questions i think specifically about rivals camp stuff so we'll leave that for the end but uh that's all right for for, for rivals camp talk for right now and uh we'll move to our next section, which is Off the Radar, where Matt and I just talk about a couple of stories from around the sports world outside of uh, outside of tech stuff that kind of stuck out to us this week. And uh, been a little bit slow over a week, but something that I thought was very interesting and just interesting in general with kind of where things are going with the quarterback position uh, was, so Jay Gruden, who's the head coach of the Washington Redskins this week, uh, obviously the Redskins cut Robert Griffin earlier this month and he's yet to uh, yet to find a home but uh, I thought it was interesting that Jay Gruden was asked about him at uh, at the NFL owners meetings uh, this week and uh, Gruden basically said here actually I'll just I'll just tell you what he said here's what here's what uh, here's what Gruden said he can do the zone read he can run the bootlegs and all that stuff make him effective outside the pocket but eventually he's going to have to continue to master the drop back passing game in the NFL which he needs to continue to do so and he kind of goes on and on a little bit more about about that and just guys in general that aren't ready for that pro style. So I guess first with Robert Griffin, I think whenever you look back to when he was rookie of the year here, which it's been uh, four or five years ago, whenever it was, when it was, it was his rookie year, uh, he had a great year because that's what they did. You know, they ran all that zone read stuff and they let him get out of the pocket and run a bunch of bootlegs. And he was really effective doing that. And then Jay Gruden came in and basically put the Knicks on all that and didn't let him do any of it. And, and, and my whole thing with this is you look across the map, I think at every level of football, even a little bit at the NFL, but especially at the college and high school level, where everybody, for the most part, is running some variation of a spread offense. 
and everyone really is kind of starting to move to more towards one of mobile quarterbacks. I mean, heck, you see a tech. I mean, that's what that's what Cliff wants a tech. He wants a a mobile quarterback. He doesn't want any guy that's just going to stand in the pocket because guys are just more dynamic in the college and high school game with all the read option stuff they do now and, and all those kind of things. So I guess, Matt, what's just kind of, I don't know, what, what, what do you kind of think about it just with, in general, first with just how, you know, guys like Jay Gruden, I, I guess, don't really seem to want to buy into all these mobile quarterbacks despite that being the biggest thing that's coming out of high school and college right now. Um, well, I would say this, I would say for me, first and foremost, it's always going to depend on the individual. Um, only the individual can control, you know, what they're doing above and beyond, you know, the norm to, to get better and to make sure that that's maybe not a roadblock, uh, in their professional career. Um, yes, there have been some notable big 12 or spread quarterbacks that haven't had success in the NFL. Uh, but you know, obviously it was trending another way enough so that he won the Heisman and he and he was uh, the the number one overall pick. So for me, I look at it and and it's hard for me to agree with Gruden completely. I don't disagree with him either. I just do uh, think it depends on the individual because you look at this draft and you know, sure you've got Wentz. But I think that's pretty much an outlier from what we've seen most years in terms of the style of quarterback. Yeah, I would say but he's the only one like that at the top. You've got Goff. He's absolutely in an air raid offense, okay? Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to learn the drop back passing game, according to Gruden. And then you've got uh, other guys like a Paxson Lynch. He's absolutely running some form of the spread at Memphis. So um, I just I don't I don't think that you can put a label on it is is you've got to to me what made rg3 good in college everyone could have told you to a man would not work in the nfl and you knew what had to be done and he didn't get it done i mean it's not like a, a knock on him but if he can't stand in the pocket read the defense and take care of the football you know that's one thing if he can take care of the football but scrambles and gets knocked out and can't play for six games well, that hurts the team. So they had to go with the more reliable option. Sure, Kirk Cousins, you know, isn't the most flashy, isn't the uh, the 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 big sexy pick, but he sure won them a lot of games, and they ended up winning the division. So right now, it's hard to argue with Gruden. But as a Cowboys fan and an NFC East fan, I would say they just they were the 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 biggest loser, right? I mean, they were the they were the uh, they were the the top of the scrap heap this year. But as a result, you know, yeah, RG3 does not have a bunch of offers pouring in and he's just going to have to prove himself. I don't I think that, you know, it just it happens. There are some guys that are incredibly good in college and they just don't have a successful pro career. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, look at look at the look at the cash that Chase McDaniel and Colt McCoy are making. You think they're crying right now? I mean, (laughs) take a backup job. Get it done. Don't be a turd. And don't be a me, you know, person and, and just get it done. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe that's a, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's the, 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 the last alternative, but still, I mean, these guys are doing all right. Yeah. And I'm not saying they're not doing all right. They're doing fine. It's just, I'm, I'm so 50, 50 on this thing with not just Griffin, but just, I, here's what my issue is. My issue is all these pro style guys in the NFL that they don't so, so, and I know it was a it was a coaching staff change, and that's part of it. But I just I hate how in the NFL they'll draft these guys that were all spread quarterbacks into a like a pro style system, and then they just they don't want to do. And you know these guys, if you draft them in the first two rounds, you expect them to be when I would say is a franchise quarterback, a guy that is going to be the future yes. of your team. So so why would you? So I just don't get why these coaches are so stubborn as far as they won't try to mold their systems around the strengths of these, these quarterbacks. Because like I said, when you look back to Griffin's rookie year, he had a great year. I know he got hurt, but at the same time, he was i mean—he was a big reason that they made the playoffs that year. And, you know, and he was rookie of the year in the NFL and had a great year. And then I think, too, you look at a guy like Colin Kaepernick before, uh, you know, whenever Greg, uh, what's his name, Greg Roman was their offensive coordinator – 
he was running around like a deer for, you know, 40 and 50 yarders, and then they, they simplified the passing game, and they made the Super Bowl that year. And, then, you know, they change offense coordinators and do all this kind of stuff, and then he can't move the ball. And don't get me wrong, I, I do think these guys need to learn. They need to pick things up. But at the same time, I just think down the pipeline, you're going to get a bunch of these guys that are more and more trending in that direction and away from the pro-style kind of stuff. And, and I just think these coaches in the NFL are going to have to deal with that, and none of them seem to want to. And I think it's why you've seen a tick down in quarterback play here the last couple of years with all these guys, these younger guys anyway. Well, just the last two things I'll say about this situation is, one, you know, like I said earlier, he's got to stay on the field and be healthy. I think that was a yeah, bigger a big factor. Problem, no doubt. Yeah, that was the biggest factor here, and I think part of the style of play contributed to that and, and what was going on in between the ears, not necessarily the style of offense or who was running it uh, in terms of the coach. Now, secondly, I'll say whenever these teams are drafting a quarterback that high in the draft or even within the first two rounds, it usually means one of two things. Uh, they have the luxury of doing that, um, which you don't see any time any, anymore, you know, very rarely. Or they just had a terrible season and they're drafting top five and, and they're getting one of these guys who they want to help impact right away. Very, very seldom now do you see a coach in that situation or an owner in that situation not pressured into getting these guys on the field, maybe even before they're ready. And I would go on to say that um, – you don't see it anymore and you see more of these failures because guys are thrown into it and yeah, because yeah, that makes sense. I agree with that. Well, well, and because if you don't have the immediate success, think about, look at John Gruden or uh, Jay Gruden. Look at, I mean, that was his what? Third year. This is his as third the, year and they all wanted to fire him before the season. Well, yeah. So he had to do something like it's, you know, you got to look after number one and would you bet your, you know, professional future on the, you know, the, the more reliable option in, in cousins who had already kind of proven that while RG three was injured, or would you rather send out, you know, Gimpy out there who's going <laughs> to like sit there and, I mean, come on. I mean, you, it, the tape doesn't lie. He's out there rocking on the ground and being all dramatic. I mean, no, it's yeah. just his teammates. Like, the NFL is a dog's league, you know. They don't put up with that. Like, those are some just big, bad boys out there, and they don't want to hear about, you know, all oh, my boo-boo hurts type stuff. I mean, you know, you're talking about guys like a Troy Aikman and Steve Young or, who are playing with, like, you know, torn muscles and ribs and all that kind of stuff. All stuff yeah and so you know not to go all vince lombardi on this thing but no, that I was can, another that was another no, big problem that that rg3's teammates had with them that you know just really culminated into some bad uh energy for that team and so anyway i mean like i said before i think it depends on the individual and i think it depends on the situation but you know gruden's not wrong he's not 100 percent right either i think rg3 will will cash a check he'll be a backup if the the situation presents itself to where uh, uh he, he can get with the Rams and maybe compete for a starting spot you know then we'll find out but i still think he you know i think gruden's mostly uh i lean towards him mostly being right because any other situation he goes to if he's not doing the drop back passing game he can't go running around in the middle of the field he's got to get five six yards and get his ass on the turf because when he starts trying to stretch it out to the outside guess what? Those guys are especially faster than you uh, in that secondary now that you've had a couple of knee injuries. No, and it's true. I just, and my thing, I guess my thing isn't, my problem isn't as much with with Griffin. I'm not, I agree with you. I'm not a big fan of his. I never have been. I've never been a big fan of the way, you know, he acts on on the field. But at the same time, I just think you look at these guys that whenever they're having all this success, uh, like him and like Kaepernick did, or even like how Russell Wilson does, where none of those offenses that they were running, you know, when they've had their success were anything complicated. Sure, I mean, they have pro-style concepts and all that kind of stuff, but there's a lot of those read option elements, and it works. So I just don't get why all these coaches, these older coaches, are so stuck in their ways of, well, he can't do this, so... Well, I'm well... But you know what I'm saying, right? Only thing, all I'll say is all due respect to Russell Wilson, we shouldn't mention him in the same breath as RG3 because the big difference there is arm strength and accuracy. In the NFL, if you could put it in that window and he could scramble around, nobody talks about him being out of the pocket or ineffective. Same thing when you look at Patrick. Patrick Mahomes, you got that missile on your shoulder where you can rocket that thing in there. Same thing with Russell Wilson. He's a former, uh, he was drafted by the Colorado Rockies, if I'm not mistaken. So, 
Um, you know, you know, he, he can get the ball downfield and effectively that's the big difference. RG three throws it up. Like you and me were playing jackpot on the (laughs) cul-de-sac. No. And, and I, I will say to you on that. I, I do. I do agree with that. I just, I'm just ready to see NFL coaches finally admit that some of the, I don't know. I just get so frustrated with them whenever they won't admit that like, and that's my, I like have a big vendetta against all these NFL coaches. I'll be the first one to admit where they aren't willing to embrace any new ideas as far as how football is supposed to work in 2016. But it's a good, uh, it's a good segue to our next topic, I guess. It was a very good segue to our next topic. Our next topic. That was not a good segue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, speaking of all that kind of spread stuff, uh, so Chip Kelly this week, and, and obviously owners' meetings are going on this week, and so there's lots of stuff kind of getting out there as far as from NFL owners and coaches. And Chip Kelly now, you know, with the 49ers, has been asked a bunch about what went wrong in Philly. And this week, he basically kind of tried to wash his hands of it. Uh, he basically said that he was given, you know, power by the ownership that he never asked for. Uh, he, you know, despite reports of him going after Marcus Mariota, you know, in the draft, he didn't, he said he, that never happened. Uh, he said all these free agency guys, they, they signed during his tenure, tenure, he didn't have anything to do with, despite him being the general manager and the coach. Um, and, you know, basically he just kind of, you know, deny, 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 and tried to retcon everything about his time whenever he was in Philly. So it's just... Like you just look like now, whenever at everything that happened in Philly, and I think whenever he got there, and they immediately started having success on offense, and he really liked the direction of it the first year, but then he started making all these wacky personnel decisions, where they were cutting all these guys and trading all these guys, and it was just stuff that didn't make sense, and they picked up a bunch of guys that were a bunch of busts, didn't have very good drafts, and uh, he basically just said, well, it wasn't my fault, so. I think you look at Chip and you wonder now if it's ever going to work in the NFL with him. And he's out in San Francisco for his second chance, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but just it just seems like his style clashes a lot with what NFL coaches are, where he's not a guy that's a player's coach. He he's, he's, a my, he's a my way or the highway guy. He doesn't want outspoken guys in the locker room. And that can work in college whenever you have a system going, kind of like, you know, I mean, well, not kind of exactly like he did at Oregon, where that was really kind of what it was. They never really had any of these big characters out at Oregon, and it was just kind of a machine. And sure, they had, like, some talented guys out there that got drafted, but there haven't been a ton of guys from, from that program that have been super successful in the NFL, so... I just think you look at him and you really start to wonder if he's ever going to be successful at the NFL level because it just seems like it's not going to be a fit to me at all. I mean, yeah, no, there's, uh, I guess there's a couple ways to look at it. He was only there for a two, uh, for a few years. I'll say I completely don't believe that he either didn't ask for or fully embrace. Total you know, the, the control. And he absolutely did go out and sign all those guys. I mean, who the hell else did, right? I mean, that's a such a, <laughs> it's a lame, that's a lame comment. If the, I mean, I haven't seen him, but I mean, it's pretty lame. And, and uh, you see how that's kind of coming crashing down. But I, what I will say is what's intriguing about the successful college coach at a successful, you know, or at a predominant program that does go to the NFL because uh, it kind of ties into what we do with recruiting, you know, they can approach the draft in different ways. And I thought he did that very interestingly right, in yeah. Philadelphia. So while his free agent signings might've been ill-advised and, and things that maybe he, he might do differently given another chance, I would say in another few years, let's look at how he drafted and let's look at some of the young talent he was able to bring in there. I personally like a coach that turns out the roster because anytime you get too much comfort level with certain players and their positions in the NFL, that's where you could get sort of mediocre results in my opinion. And so yeah. um, I'm all for turning things around, but what they did in free agency last year, somebody has to take accountability for that. And I can't, I can't really say that I think too much of him for taking a pass on that. Um, but we just kind of talked about it when we talked to these quarterbacks San Francisco could suck this year, and and that would be okay, right? Um, I think in his first terrible. year, 
and then and then he could draft some quarterback, add a few pieces. I mean, they that team has lost a lot of guys to uh, retirement and even early retirement. One of the weirdest uh, things, and just that that's isn't that one of the weirdest things? All those guys that just were like, yeah, I'm done, and it was like ten guys that were starters on that team like two years ago. Yeah, no, and yeah, and, and I mean, so just a lot of attrition. But I, I think that. I think this particular situation might even be better because there's, and I'm not going to, I mean, there's probably more, there's equal amount of tradition at both places, but as currently constructed, San Francisco is not only, not only is their talent there, but they are in a rebuilding phase. So he's not expected to come in there like he did That's with true. the Eagles and immediately compete. I don't think they expect that. They're saying, Hey, Seattle is better than we are. How do we get back to where we just were? And then now you got to worry about, I mean, all this other stuff he's saying about, oh, yeah, well, you know, we think the world of Colin Kaepernick yeah. and blah, blah, blah. That's weird. You know, we'll have to figure all that out. Well, Colin Kaepernick and his agent like, are trying man. to yeah. get out of town as soon as possible. So I don't know. There's a lot of things that are going to go into to making him successful. But there's too much evidence out there from people that have played for him or from media reports that say, you know, he is a little bit controlling when it comes to every aspect. But you see guys that were described that way. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was described that way. Bill Belichick's described that way. So you really can't have your cake and eat it, too, right. when it comes to some of these different personality types. I don't think the coach is there to be your best friend no. uh, in every instance. No, he's not. But the one thing I will say about Jimmy is I think everybody said that, you know, he was a guy that everybody, while I think people clashed with him, I think everybody still kind of liked him. Um, but I think, you know, kind of the – and there's a really good comparison, I think, to the first, you know, two years of their careers when you kind of – so far anyway, when you kind of juxtapose them where when Jimmy got to Dallas, he just cut that roster to shreds, you know, the very first thing he did where they kept Michael Irvin and they kept a couple other pieces – um, but that was it, and then they, you know, obviously trade off Herschel Walker for all those draft picks and how that worked out. But, but it goes back to too what you were talking about, you know, guys in the NFL and it being no nonsense. I think whenever you walk in the door and you just start cutting guys and saying this ain't going to cut it, um, it gets their attention and and you kind of start building things forward. And it does make you wonder too though about all those guys in Philadelphia and their attitudes and kind of how they acted. Because, I mean, guys like Lashawn McCoy and. Uh, some of those other guys that were that were on that roster were really always outspoken guys that I don't think a lot of people were crazy about as far as their antics. So I think you wonder about that too. But at the same time, like you said, it, it was just interesting some of the free agency stuff they did last year, and especially on the offensive line that didn't make a lot of sense. Um, and you know, letting Sean McCoy go, like I said. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think you'll see moving forward here with San Francisco and this will be this will be the true tale of how things work out because I think in Philly even and while that offensive line's a mess and I think some of the defensive stuff is a mess I think you that if you're coming in there as a coach and you can find a quarterback you like I think there's some talent there especially at receiver I think heck I think they have some really talented receivers in Philly yeah, I mean Nelson, Nelson Algalore and some of those Algalore, yeah, yeah all Matthews, those guys they got. I mean, yeah. it's kind of <laughs> now we're kind of describing tech recruiting. They're going to have a good running back. Yeah. They're going to have good receivers. <laughs> you know, they're going to find a quarterback that can throw it. Yeah. You know, fifty times a game. Oh, you know, but I mean, again, <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. I, I'm I'm I, I like Chip Kelly. I don't I don't prescribed to every story that comes out he like I said I think it's lame that he didn't take responsibility and use that as a as an opportunity to say that's why I'm happy I'm in uh, uh, San Francisco and I have this great ownership of blah blah I mean he's always seemed to be that lovable troll at a news conference why wouldn't he just answer like that you know instead of giving this bullshit answer right yeah no it was it was it was total bullshit no I totally agree with that um I guess that's kind of it for our two stories for, for what we kind of want to talk about this week. Like I said, wasn't a ton that we wanted to get into. So we'll go ahead and move into questions from you guys over at Red Raider Sports. So going to go ahead and just dive right into these bad boys. And uh, first one is, and this is kind of, uh, I would say kind of open-ended and, and just kind of based off what we've heard and seen. And it, it, some of it will change, but... Uh, Brett TTU asks first, any insight on what our pitch is to a few of these these recruits? 
so I guess he just kind of wants to know what he kind of thinks the pitch is, and and I guess we can kind of go into that a little bit. More so on offense than defense. Yeah, we we're not going to be able to do that on defense. No, we can't do that. <laughs> Got to have the offers. And that's and that's the thing on defense right now is is you got three new assistants that you don't know a ton about and are just kind of moving in. I will say that with Kevin Patrick, you kind of get a feel for him, and I think he's you know kind of a, a charismatic guy that kind of lets it known that he wants physical, tough guys and uh, guys that he thinks. Can uh, I'm gonna throw some cold water on that for a second. Okay. Yes, and, and maybe I'm thinking of the wrong guy. Patrick's from UNT, right? Yes. Okay, so, yeah, he's been in on a couple of guys. One of them's committed to Northwestern now. The other couple of ones are, I mean, they're just guys right now, you know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong long term, but even I thought that we were talking about who's recruiting the El Paso kids. Uh, that Coach Robinson. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'll go on record. I mean, do you really get excited about us recruiting those kids? I mean, I don't. No. You know, they're, because we're talking I don't about a running they're, back. I don't think and they're going to get an offer. Yeah, I mean, me neither. And so you got a running back and a linebacker. So maybe he's got an old coaching buddy out there, or maybe there's an underclassman, or somebody else they're hiding out there we don't know about. Uh, but to me, you know, if I'm Cliff, I'm like, hey, please don't spend too much time <laughs> in El Paso. El Paso. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I'm just saying, like, if I'm reading the it's story, just not, I'm it's like, just not a place where there's much talent that comes out. Yeah, I'm, I'm not reading. Oh wow, this guy coached at uh, South Carolina, LSU. Oh my God. Oh wow. Yeah, we're gonna get these guys from El Paso now. I mean, like that that didn't add up to me, and I don't see those as kids that are primary targets. So we do not know. We don't. We do not know. I mean, we know of a few kids that. <laughs> excuse me. That Coach Scott's reached out to, but we still don't know about the actual pitch. Um, and, and I would say with offense, it's pretty easy. We have the Jakeem Grant pitch. We have the uh, yeah, I watched, Washington pitch. Yeah, we have. Yeah, well, yeah. I think that's fair. And then we have the uh, you know I watched uh, Crabtree make that catch uh, pitch right now as well. I, that's all I've got and so Pat, far. And the Pat Mahomes pitch. If you're Cliff, you say, "Hey, look here," and that's about all you got to say. Yeah, you don't really say it anymore, though. You've got Xavier, and unless they get somebody else, I mean, right. I, I think so, it's pretty much done. Right, and I'm just, I'm just talking in general, though. I, I think whenever you look at the, the success that, that, that Pat's had and, uh, you know, what he did this year, I, I think it, it it's easy moving forward if you're Cliff to say, hey, look at this guy that, that I went and recruited who, you know, was wildly underrated out of high school and, you know, is, is setting all these records for us, so... I think if you're Cliff right now, and you can say this too, I think if you're Lee Hayes on the off, really on the offense in general, you can say, look at what we've done production-wise, scored the most points in school history in the last year. So it's an easy pitch for those guys. And I think you, you see that when they talk to kids because kids are like, yep, Tech was good last year. And it's, it's, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not a hard pitch on offense right now. No, not really. I, I, that's why I think, I mean, we're kind of beating a dead horse there. I mean, we keep bringing it up. We'll keep saying it every week. But April 15th, the coaches can get back out there um, and, and we'll find out. You know, we've we're kind of running out of the uh, things that we know about this defensive staff so far. But, you know, at least we know they're going after some, you know, new kids and, and we'll find out soon enough. Yep, no doubt. Um, let's see here. OK, how about this? Uh from Hunt Cass, we've offered a ton of wide receivers so far. Who is at the top of the board that we have a legitimate chance at getting? Uh, well, you know, obviously, I mean, people have their own opinion. I, I think there's still a good opportunity with Jalen Rager, even though he wanted to open things up. I think at the end of the day, he thought it would just be more fair to Texas Tech if right. he were to open things back up. You don't see the recommitment very often, but... I don't think it's out of the uh, realm of possibility there. In terms of the the other guys who they have a legitimate chance with, I would absolutely go back to Cartrell Thomas. And, you know, I'd have to just leave it at that right now. I mean, there are the kids at Cedar Hill. I think that uh, a Jalen Jackson thinks very highly of Tech. But at the same time, if we're talking about – you know who's at the top of the board. I don't think I don't think any of the kids that I mentioned are necessarily the top of the board. You know they've got to they got to roll their sleeves up and start to recruit now. I mean yep. if they do want to go after some of these kids that we've mentioned, 
and they do want to continue to talk to the Omar Mannings of the world, they've got to make that decision. Hey, how long do we stay on this before we start to make other guys the primary target? Because, you know, those other kids, even Tyrell Shavers is blowing up. Um, a lot of these other kids we've mm-hmm. discussed are either committed or they've had a lot of these other offers in hand for a while. So you've got to get in there. You just got to recruit. Nope, you do. Absolutely. And uh, we'll leave it at that on that one. Okay, from Andrew Stigelmeyer, which incoming freshman or freshman that has just gotten on campus has the best chance to make an immediate impact this next season? Um, I would say in terms of incoming freshmen, so we're not counting any of the JUCOs. No uh, yeah, JUCOs. In, incoming freshmen, I would just have to say Piconi then. I mean, I think that's obvious that's in terms of – already on campus incoming freshman i'll still go with jordan brooks in terms of who's ready to play uh but with the news on on bethel maybe we need to get some of these cornerbacks into the mix as well yeah and i i would say that the guys i think i would go all defense on this i i think you may have some of these offensive guys that get that definitely play especially i think at, at receiver and at running back i think you might see some of these guys play but i don't know that they're necessarily going to be what you would call an immediate impact kind of guy. Um, but, but I think on defense, I think the two you mentioned are very, uh, I, I think are very easy ones, which is Jordan Brooks and John Piconi. And from everything I've heard, they absolutely love what Piconi's done so far. He's already kind of become a vocal guy in there. And, and from Cliff Kingsbury's mouth said that John is, and I quote, a psychopath. So I think <laughs> that's always a good thing to hear. And they're really happy about him so far. Um, but I would just say, too, yeah, at corner, man, they recruited all these long corners, and you wonder if a guy like, like Des Smith or if a guy like DeMarcus Fields doesn't see the field early because those guys fit the mold of what you want to do, and they're both physical, and they get after you, and they're big and long. So I think both are the kind of guys that you could see uh, come in and play uh, right away. Let's see here. Here's one uh, from Duke1941. Besides the importance of getting DBs in this year's class, what other position group is the most important for Tech to recruit in 2017? Mm, most important group. Uh, well, I'm, besides DBs, it's hard to say. I would say that. Um, I'd say defensive line again. Just to get more yeah. numbers again. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's a numbers thing, and and also who you get because maybe last year it was a little bit of a deeper class, whereas you this year take more guys last year like that you might not normally take in a class. And I'm not saying there were guys they took that they wouldn't take anyway, but I'm just saying you can just kind of there's a bigger range of guys you can take when you take you know seven eight guys on the line. Yeah, and a, and a new staff on the defense, new D line coaches, so. Um, I don't know. I mean, we've already we've already talked about how it'll be interesting to see who's in the rotation from that from that last class. But also on the on the if that's the bright side, then the downside is the fact of the matter: one or two of these kids is just not going to make it, um, or or not be the player you thought they were going to be. Because it so happens you, in every single class, everyone. Yeah, and so especially when you have that many in one class, so you've got to uh, continue to put numbers on that. And I just think that since we've referred to it several times since you do have to um, account for the fact that the coaches have not been together for that long and they are, I'm not going to say behind the eight ball, but they are behind in terms of momentum and the relationships that they're able to build with some of these kids. That's just part of whenever you have so much turnover on your staff. Yeah. So a straightforward answer would be defensive line. You know, offensive line is uh, all but wrapped up. And then you've got a quarterback, you've got uh, maybe your running back becomes important, but not most important. And I think with running back, too, I think now there's some talk based off what I've heard of maybe you not taking a running back in this class. I think they may switch another scholarship to defense because they only think they're going to take 17 or 18 still right now. So we'll kind of see where things go with, with that. But that running back is something I would say is a total luxury in this class, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would, and and I mean, if you look around the state, you know, clearly they've offered some guys. So if the right guy is paying attention to them, then they're going to take one. And you have a new running backs coach, so maybe a little too early to say that, but still, I mean, there's there's like kids like this new kid out of New Mexico who nobody really knew of before. So you know, it's hard to say like you know that 
for me, Deshaun Foster spent a lot of time in California, so he could go right back to California and some find some kid that, that we don't know a lot about either. You know, what's the equivalent of the – what's the kid from Steel? What's his name again? Terrence Steele. No, 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 I'm sorry, from Cibola Steel, the running back. Oh, Travell Lumpkin. Yeah, so let's, you know, in the world of worlds in, in Texas recruiting, Travell Lumpkin's down the, the totem pole a little bit when it comes to running back, that's fair to say. Yeah, no, I, I, I would definitely say that. So so then, uh, you know, let's imagine that kid in California, what if Foster goes and ups and offers him, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you or, say, who is this kid? Yeah, or a different area, right? Could be anything. And so, you know, I, I think that's interesting to watch, but it has to be defensive line. Yeah, no, I think so too. <laughs> Uh, last question from Quality to you: uh, Why do you think uh, Terrence Steele is a left tackle versus Madison Akinmanu? Madison's frame seems like prototypical left tackle, much like the Raven. Is he further along in his development? And I will preface this by saying that I myself and he's even mentioned it a few times. Um, he and both Coach Morris, where, where Coach Hayes has said that you know right now they're starting out, you know Terrence Steele at left tackle and. Uh, Madison at right tackle for right now so I think that just kind of shocked people but at the same time and Matt you and I both uh, you know have talked to you know several people about you know Terrence and whenever he signed with Tech you know it was kind of a late flyer kind of deal where he did he was a kid that you didn't really know much about but he was a guy that I think really blossomed late super late in the process uh, really kind of rebuilt himself physically and had a really good year in the weight room and if you haven't ever seen Terrence in person Terrence is, and somebody compared Madison to Madison to LaRaven. I think Terrence still is much more comparable to LaRaven yeah. than than, Terrence, than Madison is. Madison is is a big, bigger, athletic kid, and he's but he's not near as wide or one of those big old wide kids like uh, like Terrence is. It's just long and wide, and like a pterodactyl, which I, you know I've heard people say LaRaven is, and that's exactly what Terrence is, and. Uh, had a really good year off-season wise, and I think he's really excited. They're really excited about him and the potential he brings. But um, I think Terrence is definitely more the left tackle prototype out of the two. Yeah, well, I mean, we joked about it earlier, and we've talked about it before. His long arms make him a lot more similar to La Raven. Not that uh, Akimnani's aren't large, but he's more of your muscular built, your your strength guy. Whereas, you know, certainly Terrence is strong. Um, and he's probably gotten stronger over this past year, but he just has those long arms and he's going to be able to extend those pass rushers out, uh, especially in this passing offense. And I just think that he reminds me more of, uh, uh, excuse me, of LaRaven because of that, like body type and everything. Uh, there's not going to be another LaRaven right away. No. Please don't expect that. But from, uh, if we talk about prototypical or if we talk about the measurables, um, I just think Terrence Steele makes more sense at left. And then if, if both those guys can work out, then that makes a really strong right side of your line. And then you got to see what happens with that left side. And obviously up the middle is a question, but you know, those are, those are the big question marks coming in. But yeah, I think you and I both agree. I mean, I think, um, from seeing Terrence and from seeing, seeing Madison, I mean, I think that made the most sense to me. Now, with that being said, where does Justin Murphy go when he comes back? I think uh, guard is what I've heard. Guard, okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, that, that'd that be pretty nasty line uh, if, if that starts well, to work out. And, and I think the thing with, with that is I think after Murphy's been at, at guard for a year, I think Coach Hayes loves his potential as – because if you've never been around or seen Murphy when he's – on the field um, and watched him pre-play or in between plays or pre-game, he is going around like trying to almost fist fight his own teammates because he gets so hyped up and so <laughs> like he he'll he'll bash into other guys and he is just one of those guys that is just so physical and uh, and nasty and and like like to the point of like they're scared whenever he starts headbutting other guys that he's going to give himself a concussion in the pregame, you know, one of those kind of guys. So I think they like him at guard and he, him as a run blocker. And they kind of think he might be an all big 12 guard, maybe not as a tackle though. Um, and with, with Terrence, I, I think he like, like we already said, you know, a guy that's so long like that, you want those guys at left tackle to be able to combat these elite edge rushers. And just cause they have so much more range. So I think that's where they're kind of at right now. I think things could switch, but right now I think Terrence is still is going to be your left tackle for Texas tech. So, uh, I guess before we close out, anything else you, you want to say before we close this thing out, Matt? No. 
I'm uh, I'm sick. Reason. I need to go take some medicine. <laughs> I need to go take take you a little a little nap nappy nap. Yes. So um, anyway, all right, cool. That'll be it. Um, hope you guys uh, really enjoyed having this week on the podcast. Uh, once again, this is the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will McKay. He's Matt Clare. Hope you guys have a fantastic Easter weekend. See ya.